What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast for single player gamers to find out about the good single player games to play. As you probably heard our previous episode this week, it is Indie Week here at the Single Player Experience Podcast, where we are just diving into all of the best indies so far this year of 2023 so i thought to myself instead of me just um talking randomly out here into the void i would have on a very special guest and expertise in the field so to speak and that is none other than stefan galaxy himself he kills it he's he does a lot of cool things on twitch he's a variety indie streamer you can find a lot of his stuff on tiktok as well so if you like all things indie, you should definitely check him out. But without further ado, that's a little bit about my guest. But before we dive into the show, I want to introduce this man. Stefan, welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. I really appreciate uh, you asking me to be on. Man, it is a pleasure. For the people who don't know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, uh, my name is Steven. I go by Stefan Galaxy Online. I have a TikTok that focuses primarily on showing off indie games called Indie Nova. Um, and for quite some time now, my goal on the internet has basically just been to uh, play and share indie games with people, talk about our experiences, our favorite games, things we love about these games. And um, it's uh, it's been a good time. Played a lot of good games. That's amazing. What's the origin story there? Why, why indie? Um, so I guess the if if there is an origin story, I think it's because sometime after I graduated high school, I had all of my game consoles, you know, my 360 and stuff, uh, just in like a storage unit. So I didn't have any of like my main consoles that I would play. And I had a really bad laptop uh, that had Steam on it. So that laptop was not going to run any big time AAA games, but it could run things like The Binding of Isaac, or super meat boy um and so just just by happenstance i was like one these games are way cheaper than you know 60 price tag and i'm broke and i can't play any other games so i'm just gonna play these and out of that i sort of grew a a bit of an appreciation for these smaller titles um and around that time there was also kind of like a big i guess like an indie game renaissance xbox live arcade and stuff like that mm -hmm. so there were a lot of indies being put out there um yeah just uh just sort of stumbled out of that was there a particular game that made you fall in love with indies where you were like, man, this is I can't believe like games that of this nature can be this good? Um, I mean, the game that I spent the most time on would probably be The Binding of Isaac. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a game that I just dumped hours and hours into. But I think Braid was the first time that an indie game felt like it was kind of a next level experience that I was like, this isn't the kind of thing that I expect from um, you know, AAA games, even if I, you know, wasn't making a distinction between AAA and indie back then. Um, you know, this this sort of five, six hour experience that sticks with you forever um, was just not the kind of thing that I was used to playing. And uh, I wanted a lot more of those kinds of games for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure, man. It's, it's amazing how like, for me, by the way, the game was like, I fell in love with indies through Bastion. Like Bastion was one of them that Perfect. I loved. Oh man, I love the soundtrack. I loved um, the score, the smooth like um, narrator's voice that that would come on um, and kind of like 
kind of just give his two pieces on what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. The gameplay was addicting. It kind of what it kind of felt like to me paving the way for Hades and Hades is probably one of my favorite games of all time at this uh, like at this point and I, yeah I just I fell in love with indies through hate like through Bastion so to speak yeah I mean that's that Bastion was just an insane game and again especially for the time it came out there you know now I feel like there's a lot of things that we can compare modern indie games to because there's just such a, a sort of saturation of those games in the market Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time that Bastion came out, games like those weren't really common. So it, it really stood out. I mean, that's 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 a great one. That's a great pick. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, you know, you know, um, I want to ask you, you you do a lot of streaming. You do a lot of, um, uh, you know, TikToks and everything like that. You're all over social media. Like what is your favorite platform that you that you like using? Um, I think TikTok is probably my main platform now, uh, partly because it has the most reach I, I just have the most following on tiktok um but also the the engagement on tiktok is just sort of um it, it's the kind of thing that other platforms either don't have or are really difficult to sort of establish uh, especially on twitch discoverability is is kind of a big issue um and so i enjoyed streaming and i enjoy you know playing games and talking with chat but for the purpose of sharing indie games it's really hard to get games in front of people through things like twitch um because it takes so long to grow an audience whereas on tiktok you're like you kind of just throw spaghetti at the wall and you're like one of these videos is probably going to go viral um that's pretty much what happened i just had one video that popped off and uh you know since then i get to show games to a lot more people um which is uh always cool no, that's amazing. That's amazing. So I want to pivot a little bit to the topic of the show, and that is the best indie games so far in 2023. So we're at uh, roughly the halfway point of the year, a little over it now. And, you know, I love doing these type of um, like weekly themed uh, episodes where we kind of just dive into a certain genre or dive into like the best indie games of the year, because I kind of like showcasing a very specific um, thing to the audience. And I love getting giving like love to the indies a lot. I'd probably say 85% of my podcast here at the single player experience is mostly indie games that people should know about. I want to ask you though, what is your favorite indie experiences this year so far? Um, Man, it's, it's always a tough one. I did do a bit of a mental uh, audit about what, <laughs> what games I played this year. Um, I think one of the, the, one of the standouts for me is a game called Chia. Uh, it is oh. a third-person adventure game inspired by the real-life islands of New Caledonia. Um, the game sort of... It, it, it's a lot of Breath of the Wild-like in some ways. Exploration, gliding, you know, that, that kind of open-world experience. Um, but, like, the central gameplay feature is that you play as a character that can jump into objects and possess them and that can be things like animals so you can take over a bird and just like fly from location to location or take over a shark um or you can possess like a beach ball or a bicycle or a lamppost um and so you can just take control of all these random inanimate objects and it just makes traversal super fun there's a ton of collectibles outfits that you can collect um and it, it, it's a game that i wasn't sure how much time i was going to put into it but i ended up putting quite a decent bit of time um and and really enjoying my experience with that game 
Yeah, I this is one that I haven't checked out yet, and it's one uh, that was put on my radar through. I think it was um, not necessarily the PlayStation Showcase, but I think it was the State of Play that it was mm -hmm. featured on, and it looked really cool, and it kind of gave me some Wind Waker vibes, also some Breath of the yeah. Wild vibes. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I mean, I, I love the setting, that like tropical island um, <laughs> vibe, and the music is great. Um, a lot of those like audio visual details are just really, really fantastic. And just the general feel of playing the game, jumping from object to object, um, it just it's just fun to play. Sometimes um, I find myself not really knowing how to describe a game in a complex way because the answer is it's just <laughs> fun. It's just fun to move around. It's fun to pick up random cats off the street and just hold them above your head and then put them in your backpack and then take them out later <laughs> and possess them so you can walk around. Um, and, and I guess my... my maybe i'm a little biased um because I, I did talk to some of the people working on the game and they they sent me a little care package that had like a ukulele in it and was, oh that's sweet i was very happy it was it was very cool um but you know I, I like to think this is an unbiased opinion i did really enjoy my time with that game so um yeah i would, I would definitely recommend that for anyone that wants like an open world experience or You've already dumped 300 hours into Tears of the Kingdom and you want something <laughs> kind of like it, you know, maybe this is the kind of thing to pick up. How um how long was it? Have you completed it already? I finished the main game. There's some okay. end game content. It's a big collectible type of game too, because it has, you know, max energy, max health upgrades, stuff like that. Um, I put probably seven hours into it to complete the main story, seven or eight hours. Um, but it seems like there's a decent amount of end game content after that too. Okay. Okay. Is that that sounds like a media experience. Um, so what's the next game you want to highlight for everyone today? Um, the next one, it's a really obscure title. I think it's not one that I see a lot of people talking about, or I didn't see a lot of, uh, you know, any, any sort of like media attention to it. It's called the Tartarus Key. What? Um, it I is heard a, this one. It's a first person puzzle, kind of like a an escape room almost type game. Um, with definitely some like horror elements to it. I wouldn't say it's a horror game per se. It's no Silent Hill or anything like that, but it's it's eerie vibes, spooky themes. Um, and and the, the fun part about it to me is that it has the sort of throwback PlayStation 1 style, like super low poly aesthetic. Um, so the game is, it's definitely, it's, we'll use the phrase retro inspired. <laughs> if you want something that's like really high fidelity, this is not that game. Um, but the puzzle design in it, and, and again, it's more of a, an escape room type puzzle game. Um, the puzzle designs are just absolutely barbaric in like the best way. Um, oh, anytime, cool. anytime a game makes me take out a pen and paper to solve a puzzle, I'm like, I, I'm committed. I'm like, this is, this is going to be one that I remember. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a tough one for sure. There's a lot of different endings. Um, <laughs> there were certain things that happened in the game. That were not great, you know, certain characters that that uh, died when I don't think they were supposed to. And initially I was like, oh, that must just be written in the story, but it's just because I failed the puzzle. So uh, a lot of different endings depending <laughs> on whether or not you can actually solve puzzles correctly. But um, it was just a really great experience, too. And that's a it's a bit shorter. It's like a four or five hour experience, um, at least for a single playthrough. OK. And uh to me that's almost like the ideal if i can finish a game in like two sittings that's like Perfect. that's always a positive for me i'm so happy 
So that's that's a really great one too. And and I know a lot of people are sort of into that, you know, Resident Evil, Silent Hill vibe. Um, and that definitely fulfills a lot of that. It's very, very good. So it, it, I know it's retro inspired. Does it have um, a retro control scheme or is it more like traditional controls? It's pretty traditional. I mean, it, it's a, you know, first person um, perspective. There's okay. not really a lot of complicated buttons. There's no combat. Um, it's pretty much just puzzle solving, but they are some ridiculously complex puzzles that just had me questioning everything I knew about my my life, about the <laughs> world around me, about everything I've ever learned in school. Um, but it, it's it's quite good. I, I really, really enjoyed my time with that game. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. What's the next one on your list? Uh, the next one is one that is very popular, I think. Uh, Pizza Tower. I haven't um, heard of that one. You've never heard of that one? No, I haven't heard oh, of that one. Can Maybe I'm just in like the, the Pizza Tower echo chamber. <laughs> Maybe it's, so. Uh, it's a side-scrolling platformer, most equivalent to Wario Land. Oh. Um, the basic premise of each level is that you, you're playing as, as, a, as a pizza shop owner. I, I couldn't possibly explain the lore, but you, you need to collect pizza <laughs> toppings in each level and then you need to get out um but usually the levels are, are designed in such a way that you go through the level in one direction and you can't you can't die there's no lives there's no damage you just sort of if you get hit you get like stunned but you just keep going um and then once you get to the end of the level it starts a timer and you have to run your way back through in the opposite direction to get out before the timer ends and that's your way to fail a level. Mm -hmm. um, but the design of the game is like, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like garbage, Microsoft Paint core, but on purpose. It, it like looks awful intentionally. Um, and I think initially when people see it, they're like, wow, whoever made this, just, they do not know how to draw. They can't do art, <laughs> which is fine. Maybe they're just go, a good programmer. They know how to make a, a video game, but they don't know how to do art. But the more you play it, there are so many animations, idle animations, enemy animations, weird interactions, specific things for mechanics. There's so much effort put into the game that it's pretty obvious that it's intentional. Um, and, and it's just one of these games that I think what surprised me most about it is the um, kind of like when you play like a Mario game, like an actual Nintendo Mario game. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's sort of surprising when they can just fit like one interesting mechanic after another. You're just like, man, the, the amount of expertise that has to go into crafting a game to have like one great idea. And then in the next level, you're just like, throw it out because we got another great idea coming. We don't need that one because we're just going to do one after another after another. Um, and this game like perfectly replicates that. Like in one level, you'll have like a grappling hook that's actually a chicken. In the next level, you'll turn into a ghost and you can like dash through enemies. And then another level, you'll have like a suit of armor that lets you like skate around and like grind on rails. Um, and it's just like one crazy new idea after another, after another. And and then the, the culmination of the whole game is just like this massive 
sort of explosion of all those ideas at the same time. And it is just, uh, I mean, it's just wild. It's just crazy. Truly the kind of thing that you have to experience to understand. I am, I'm watching the trailer for this and this looks bonkers, like absolutely (laughs) mad crazy. Yeah. I love it. It's again, describing what the game looks like. It's just, it's insane. And it might be, it might look weird. It might be hard to sell. Um, but but playing is believing with Pizza Tower for sure. This looks like it's just if, a great game. It it is. It looks fantastic, and it kind of it kind of has like a '90s cartoon vibe to it. As yeah, well. it's it's. I guess I would most closely describe it as like Microsoft Paint Ren and Stimpy vibes. Yeah, that's exactly what. I'm yeah, thinking. yeah. But um, but I think that the interesting thing is behind sort of this intentionally garbage aesthetic is like a really tight game um like the mechanics for it for like momentum conservation and there's you know slide canceling and and attack canceling and like shine sparks like uh from metroid super metroid like there's all these sort of movement components that are built into the game to like promote like speed running and like expert level play and uh so it's like fun to play it's fun to master because there's all these super complicated mechanics um there's there's all these interesting ideas that they throw together and then it's just fun to look at like you know it, it's it's yeah it's something <laughs> it's a tough sell i can't lie but no it's like the crazy thing is it's like everything you say like it, the trailers describing perfectly as well because like it is very much uh like you said like a almost like a smorgasbord of like different genres kind of thrown into um like a very tight looking platformer and then you also have like all these zany ideas combining it and combining into one where it feels like it kind of has a little rayman dna it feels like it kind of has yeah it kind of has a little mario dna it feels like wario it's like i love the look of this game like you you told me about this and i feel like i need this injected into my bloodstream (laughs) today like it's just so good and the soundtrack in general the soundtrack is very good but there's a specific song that plays when you get to that halfway point of a level and have to make your way back, mm-hmm. that is one, it's a banger. But over time, because it's you're on the timer to get to the exit again, it starts ramping up in intensity over time. And towards the end, it is just like pure adrenaline, like crazy energy. Um, it's it's so good. It's so good. What what platform did you play this on, by the way? Uh, I played it on PC, um, okay. but I did play it a lot on the Steam Deck. So. Okay, so Steam Deck compatible. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a great Steam Deck game. This looks like a phenomenal Steam Deck game. <laughs> this does. Do you feel like you can um you get a lot of playtime on your Steam Deck like as far as like battery life for the like playing games like this? Um oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. Good. I mean, I, I usually when I play something on the Steam Deck it's only for like an hour or two and I and mm-hmm. I keep it charged. So I, I don't usually have a huge issue with it, but um, this is the kind of game, especially because it's like level oriented, that you're like two or three levels on this. It's perfect. Absolutely. Bite sized, perfect kind of yeah. kind of snack there. Yeah. What? I love that. I, I'm, I'm like, I need this <laughs> right, right now. This is phenomenal. What's the next game on your list, man? Uh, the next one would be Dredge. Oh, phenomenal game. Yes. Love it. Dredge is so good. And and I think this is another game that when I describe it to people, um, because I, you know, I spend a decent amount of time talking about the games I play. And um describing Dredge doesn't make it sound fun. <laughs> You're like, you play as 
a boat, basically, um, a fisherman, but mechanically you, you're just a ship and you go around the ocean catching fish and and selling fish and upgrading your boat. Um, but there's like this, this sort of Lovecraftian horror element to it as well. Um, but Dredge is, it's definitely a game that's, that's more than the sum of its parts. It is an eerie fishing game, but the experience of playing Dredge is something that I don't think I've had in like any other game. I can't um, think of any, no. Yeah, the, 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 the sort of jump between it's daytime and you're going around the ocean just like catching fish casually because you want to make money and upgrade your parts and usually repair your parts. <laughs> um, and then it starts turning to nighttime and that shift of like fear <laughs> being like, <laughs> I am so, I am in so much danger out in the open at night. Um, and, and that rush to want to get back to, you know, safety, back to an island or a port. Um, but then, of course, the game has to throw a little curveball and be like, well, there are some fish that you can only get at night. There are some mm -hmm. things you can only do at night. You have to put yourself out there. Um, and so it's just, it's just a really, a really interesting experience, um, especially because fishing, I feel like usually in gaming has this sort of connotation with being like cozy, right? Yeah. You think of like Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing, and this is like you're just going to be scared the whole time you fish, which is not normal for fishing in video games. Um, but yeah, I, I I think when I when I got into the game, I thought it would be sort of like tongue-in-cheek humor, um, sort of self-aware about its own premise. Uh, and I, I wouldn't say the game takes itself too seriously, but it, it sort of maintains a seriousness that mm -hmm. holds up that sort of horror aesthetic um, in a way that doesn't make it feel goofy or silly. Like when scary things are happening, you you don't just laugh. <laughs> no, no, it's not Scooby-Doo-ish by yeah, any means. Right, right. Yeah, it is very much like, like you're saying, it, it has like, everything kind of has a point and a meaning to it. And whereas like the art style kind of has, uh, kind of gives it a vibe to where like, this isn't like the most serious, scary, jump scare thing in the world. It, but that everything, like the music and the suspenseful nature of of everything you're playing, like I see a shadow underneath my boat and I'm losing it. I'm absolutely right. losing it. I'm like hauling ass trying to get to a port um, yeah. because I know that that can either wreck my ship entirely or just basically like cost me that like a thousand dollars worth of parts that I have to kind of like repair my ship on. It's I love this game. It's it has a perfect nature of like being suspenseful but also like a simulator type of game like mm -hmm. it mixes those two elements in a way that i i, I haven't seen a game like this before. yeah i mean the, the gameplay loop is just super satisfying um but again it's i think that vibe really adds to to the feeling um that this game is is different and it feels unique when you play um and and i like when games can sort of lean on suspense as like a form of of horror instead of just like jump scares which especially yeah. in video games is pretty common um you know jump scares big scary noises monster chases you um but games that know how to just sort of let you simmer in in uncertainty and in fear um and then just capitalize off that i think it's it's really smart and there's a lot of things in dredge that you might see or things might happen and you don't know if it was something important. You don't know if it if it's something you did, if it's a random event, and then you'll never see it again. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's a really unique experience. 
man this is it's one of those games to where like when i reviewed this um for the podcast and and for the the website i was thinking to myself i'm like this there's no indie game that's going to top this feeling this year and it's i crazy enough i felt like even though that game is unique i I did feel like some specialness from other games this year but my mind always pops back to dredge and going into like the red waters for the first time like with the red hue and such like that that's something that it's living rent free in my brain right now and (laughs) it is it is man i love that game yeah it's it's uh it's a good one it's definitely one i'm going to be recommending for a while yeah so what's uh, do you have another one on your list i do I don't know, you know, sometimes I find when talking about indie games, the line of indie starts to get a little blurry. Sometimes I'll say something's an indie game and, you know, people won't agree. So I don't know if this qualifies, but I think my favorite indie game I've played this year is Hi-Fi Rush. I, you know, I I can see where the line would be blurred there. If yeah, honest, you know, yeah. it's, 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 I get it. Um... You know, I think the 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 devs are it's a Tango GameWorks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know what their you know what their history is. I don't know <laughs> what the rest of their their games look like. Um, but Hi-Fi Rush I think is is the the standout of um, I guess non AAA experience for me this year. Um, it, it for sure feels like a double A game as opposed to a triple right, A game. Right. Yeah. And and you know sometimes. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I see, you know, <laughs> two two indie for the AAA games, two AAA for the indie games. Um, but you know, if it's an honorable mention, so be it. Hi-Fi Rush is a a must play from this year. A- absolutely, it is just it, it just an incredible game. I agree with you. I love I love Chai. I love eight like eight oh eight. I I think the gang is absolutely fun. Um, the game itself is very fun it, it feels almost like the last airbender like level of of like humor and such like that in mm-hmm. the game like to where like there are serious stuff going on but it never feels like it's just too serious it, and i love the i love the the power-ups that you get as you as you progress through the very linear story i i think like all the way they combine all the elements of that game is just highly intelligent and different than the the horror-centric games that 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 like Bethesda Studio is known for. Yeah, I mean, um, Hi-Fi Rush is just like, it, it's such a perfect blend of like every element. Visually, it's it's super, um, you know, it's vibrant, it's engaging, it's dynamic. Obviously the, the audio is just incredible. It's a, it's a rhythm based hack and slash game. So the audio needs to be incredible and it is. Um, but just like, it's the little details. The fact that every single thing in that game is animated to the beat you know cogs in the background or a pipe that's blowing steam everything is on rhythm um you know the the gameplay feels fun there's all these sort of like crazy ultimate attacks and combo attacks you can do um and then like you're saying the story the characters are just great you know sometimes it's it's difficult for a game to do both really well and Mm -hmm. uh, i think initially going into hi-fi rush no offense to you know games of, of this nature but I was like, it's probably not going to be the kind of game that I'm watching every cutscene necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm trying exactly. to get through it. Um, but it, but it's it's great. You know, the, the characters are great. The voice acting's great. Um, the humor is actually fantastic, which is another thing that I find sometimes games struggle with. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's just an incredible experience. 
yeah for sure and i love the fact that it's different it's different from anything else i've played this year it's mm -hmm. it feels very linear whereas a lot of games this year went very open world heavy and such like that this game also feels like it has a lot of elements from other like historical historically great titles that i really liked i can see some devil may cry in this game i can also yep. feel some kingdom hearts vibes and such yep. so yeah, I got, I got big beautiful Joe from it, oh, which is a, a real that's a that's a super throwback. It, it it feels like a 2005 game made with the technology of 2023. That's 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 the quote of the show because I feel like that entirely. <laughs> I really do, and it's and it's great to get games like that, you know. Yeah, it really does. It really is. I so I want to ask you though, um, you know, before we continue on with your list, do you feel like any of the games you've named so far is the best narrative that you played this year in the in the indie landscape? You know, it's a tough one. Um, there, there, I I have a long list of games to play this year. There are a lot that are very promising. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as narrative, I don't necessarily think any of my standout indies of twenty twenty three um really nail that narrative element necessarily like to to a high degree yeah. um like hi-fi rush is a great experience um but the story is not really the thing that makes me think about it all the time it's a it's a good story right it's a it's a serviceable yeah, it's story but it's not um you know it's it's not like a, a shadow of the colossus or a, like a limbo type thing mm -hmm. um and, and ironically enough i feel like the second half of 2023 with games like um, Goodbye Volcano High and Venba and Oxenfree 2. Um, there's like, there's so many big narrative games that I'm looking forward to. Um, and I guess there is one that came out earlier this year that I haven't gotten around to called A Space for the Unbound that so I've heard good. very, very good things about. Yeah. Um, so like I have a feeling that one would be my pick if I had played it. <laughs> you need to play that one because that. that... You know, that between like um i think it's to um toegi productions is the one who made that one mm -hmm. like they are doing phenomenal work this year in the indie scape because i'm like they did that and i think they um they also did coffee talk um yep. too hibiscus and butterflies like mm -hmm. two which, really which i have played that and that's that's great yeah two really good narrative centric games um also two games uh that are telling very good like um games that that feature like very diverse like a very diverse um cast of characters mm -hmm. and also like the soundtracks were both phenomenal especially coffee talk yeah so yeah. you know i've got a lot of story games on the on the horizon i think I, I hit a bit of a road bump through the year you know i i I'm, i pride myself as a big indie game person um but i'll play anything that i enjoy <laughs> and tears of the kingdom and diablo 4 were a bit of a there were there were road bumps in my my backlog for sure where all of a sudden two months just had to get deleted from the year and i couldn't play anything else but we're we're back on schedule there's nothing big coming out um you know silk song got delayed till next year mm -hmm. so that's uh that sucks but it's, it's, it's a shame but that. um you know so i don't have to worry about something <laughs> a month into that or whatever uh so yeah there's 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 always more to play so I want to ask you, like, outside, I know this episode's in, in like indie focus, but outside of the indie games, what is your overall game of the year this year? In a year that's probably, I would argue, the best year in video games of all time. It's been a pretty good one. I um, can't think of one better, man, if I'm being <laughs> honest. I, you know, again, I, I, I like to pride myself as an indie game person. Um, 
but I am also a normie. Yeah, and you're human, man. Tears <laughs> of the Kingdom is just like everything for me. I I was under the impression that Breath of the Wild was one of the best video games ever made. Um, and it's hilarious that the one game that could come out to make me find flaws in Breath of the Wild was just another Zelda game. <laughs> and it, it's like every idea of, of Breath of the Wild just like fully realized. Um, and I think, you know, it, it sounds a little corny, but I, uh, you know, when I was young, I played a lot of games on like my Game Boy, um, you know, Game Boy Advance, but I didn't have a home console for years and years and years. And the first game I played on a console that was my console that I could sit down and play was Wind Waker on the GameCube. Oh. And that sort of open world, big adventure experience is like always something that I'm interested in. It's always something that I'm looking for. Um, and it's hard to replicate that as you get older and you know how technology works <laughs> and you know how games are made, you sort of see the, the limitations of what people can reasonably make, right? That that sort of yeah. um, like childlike wonder of, of what could actually be in a video game goes away. And you see the wizard behind the curtain. Right, right. And I think Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild to some extent, obviously, but, you know, more so Tears of the Kingdom um, is just like, it's just like wonder. It's just like imagination the entire time. It, it's it's just crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it would probably be Tears of the Kingdom for me this year. <laughs> That's great, man. You know, I... I... I, I've said it before on on this show. It's the probably the most controversial, like hot take. I'm not a Tears of the Kingdom person. I'm not a Breath of the Wild person, if I'm being honest. But like, I, I, I can, get it. I can see why the game's amazing. Like, I I objectively can see the greatness of those games. It's just like I have a hard time connecting narratively to the, those type of games. And then sure. I, yeah, and then like I also, you know, those were both my two first Zelda games. So I have no nostalgia towards the series at all that's well. that's that's fair you know i mean they're um i think it's it's interesting when i talk to people for as much praise as these games get sort of universally mm -hmm. i feel like most people i talk to have never finished at least breath of the wild um what? a lot of people <laughs> just haven't finished it because it is a massive seemingly unending game sometimes um and the commitment to be like yeah just sit down and just play you know, 150 hours of, of a single player story game that's not designed to make you addicted the way that like a lot of these live service games are. It's a, it's a tough call. Um, so I, I, I get it, you know, but, um, but yeah, but I, yeah, it's, it's, it's my, yeah. <laughs> for, for me, it's more like I, I have a, I'm a huge story centric gamer and like I had a hard time connecting like with any of the story and the characters of those games versus like, uh, when I see like a game such as like the Spider-Man game, which is like Spider-Man or Spider-Man mm -hmm. Miles Morales, those are way up my alley because they, they tell a very personal story or or like a, I'm also huge into comic books. So I'm like, they tell a story I'm overly familiar with, or at least a, a modification of a story I'm familiar with versus like Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild. I have no connection to who's this man pig running around and why do we have like, what is he doing that's really so bad? I'm like, I, I kind of get it, you know? I, so. I would certainly say that the narrative is not the strong suit of <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, it's, I think it's better than Breath of the Wild story. Oh, for sure. That's not a huge bar, unfortunately, either. Um, but I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, last year for me, I felt like um, I felt like last year was like the perfect example of the 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 exact dichotomy 
yeah. with Elden Ring and, and God, God of, of War. War Ragnarok, where one is just like it's like gameplay is the like the selling point, and it feels like you're like wow. It, 45 years of video games have led to a game with these mechanics and then the other game is still like 45 years of games have led to a game with this story um so i i, I get it and they're, and they're both incredible like I, I i love both of those games i i love god of war ragnarok um let's say so say I, I get it i get it yeah that was that was my game of the year last year for sure with a bullet point but yeah and and the crazy thing is it's like i do like open world like you know, choose your own adventure exploration type of games like i'm looking forward to starfield uh which is a game initially when they showed um footage for it was a game i was just like this doesn't quite seem like a modern day um modern day uh, like rpg that i'm really excited about now i'm like i'm ready for starfield <laughs> man i'm ready after that lady to showcase i'm ready for that yep I am I am super excited for Starfield. Maybe a bit concerned that my PlayStation is gonna explode when I put it in, but um, we'll see. We'll see when the time gets there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I wanna. Um, so on the indie landscape, what what are you um, feeling is your indie game of the year so far? I think um, I think Hi-Fi Rush with okay. with an asterisk, and then if not that, probably Dredge. Um, I did. Today, I, I installed uh, the game Dave the Diver. Oh, I'm phenomenal things. Yeah, I know nothing about, but I've heard nothing but great things. So I'm excited to go in. I I don't know anything about this game. So, um, you know, may, maybe maybe this will be my game of the year. And I just I just missed saying it by a couple of days. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, phenomenal things. You know, we talked about um, Pizza Tower having some of that chaos. I sort of see mm -hmm. some of that chaos in Dave the Diver as far as like just a goofy, goofy game. I'm um, like, I I see that kind of element in that game as well. So I'm I'm going to probably play that this week as well and, yeah. and sort of try to see it without all the hubbubaloo and hype is about there. I'm, I'm very excited to try it. Yeah, so I also want to ask you, it's like, do you kind of feel sorry for indie games this year? Like, I know, like, we've had phenomenal indie games, but, like, the AAA landscape has been so damn good this year. It sort of feels like they're getting overshadowed more so than usual. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there have been a, a, a few pretty big standouts between, um, between Zelda, Diablo, um, Resident Evil 4 remake came out mm -hmm. this year. There was the Star Wars game. We're gonna have Spider-Man, um, Starfield. It's it's gonna be Metroid came out this year yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Um it's it's gonna be a rough one. And and it's it's a shame that um sort of the, the more that there's this drive to find like and maybe this is this is sort of a, an antiquated idea, but I'm like the more that there's this this desire to to validate indie games as just other video games mm -hmm. the more that you have to accept that there will be years where celeste is nominated for game of the year the same year that god of war 4 came out yeah and it's not going to win game of the no. year you know um and it, you, you know if you want to make the distinction which you know is, is understandable um you know that's one thing but but some of these big triple a games it's 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 hard to find a year that's slow um and this year is more than not slow it is 
crazy how many huge AAA games are coming out. So I, I've like I said it before during this episode. I don't think I've ever seen a year like this. Like I, I know people say 2000. I think 2004 was a good year for games. 2007, you know, some people say 2017 was an excellent. 2017 year. is the one that comes to mind because I think that was Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. Mario Odyssey, Persona Five, Horizon. Um, yeah, maybe Hollow Knight. Is that twenty? Some, some. Maybe I it was just shy, is. but yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was a crazy year, and I think we're we're there. We, we're like pretty <laughs> close to there, and we're halfway there. I was about to say we're we already got like games where you could almost put like, oh, this is like this is the the like the equivalent of that game. This is like the equivalent of that game. This is like the equivalent of that game, and we're only at the halfway point, man. Yeah. That uh, and we still haven't had the Forza's of the world, the Horizons, the Spider Mans. Like, and then two Mario games from Nintendo coming out this year. That yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. I mean, it's great because you're <laughs> never we're never gonna be <laughs> bored this year. But no. um, but yeah, it's it's tough. And I think um, not to disparage any of the indie games mm-hmm. that have come out by any means, but I think in general, it's sort of tilted a little bit to where a lot of these big AAA franchises you know, again Zelda, Resident Evil mm-hmm. Star Wars, Spider-Man they're getting their games this year and a lot of these sort of established indie game titles are not releasing like we're not getting Hades 2 this year we're not getting Silk Song um, so it's kind of like new stuff that has to compete with like these like monolithic titles just like one after another so it's it's tough but you know you're right and i mean the hurt like they also have a marketing budget that's unreal and unrivaled right. as well so i'm like it right. isn't a fair competition by any means it's just one of those like the nature of the beast so to speak but it is one of those to where like i you know like hopefully and this is ho- me being hopeful for indie games next year hopefully this is a case of like all the studios have blowed their major load this year and like and next year maybe some indies will get a chance to yeah. like maybe there'll be like a lull where like a stray was able to like really feast last year because there was kind of like a lull in big triple a games you know right and for sure 2023 is the year triple a games ulted yeah and hopefully 2024 they're on cooldown and we can get our, our Silk Song and our Hades too, and show like some that. love to those. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Okay, so um, one of the questions I I had here um in the write up leading up to this episode is like, I wanted to see what your most anticipated indie games are. Like, do you have that one indie game that if they said, oh, this is actually coming out like this year in December, like your your year is completely made. Um, well, I might have hinted towards it a little bit over yeah. the past like five minutes, but um, I would do anything for Hollow Knight Silk Song right now. <laughs> I would commit just a never-ending stream of crimes if that meant that I could play that game. Um, Hollow Knight is one of my favorite games ever. Period. Um, I am super excited for Silk Song. For the record, you know, just mm-hmm. a, just a for legal note, I accept and appreciate that the developers need time to make the game at the quality they want it to be and they're not rushing it mm-hmm. and i think it's good i think even though you know setbacks and and changing release dates can be annoying and if you're a fan you're like but i want the game now i get it um but at the same time you want the game at its best and 
you know, you kind of have to respect the devs. So I'm, I, I make jokes about it being delayed, but I get it. You know, that being said, uh, yeah, I would do anything <laughs> to play Hollow Knight Silk Song. I need that game. Um, yeah, it, it's it's. I, get I, I don't it. even know what else to say. Yeah. I get it. I, I feel the way, same way about Spider-Man 2, man. I need that game, like, yeah. bad. Like, bad. And it's, it's for with Hollow Knight, I'm sort of glad because, like, all these delays make me feel like there's not going to be that argument that it's just more Hollow Knight. Like, right. which is, um, I, I always hate the, the, it's just more this, it's just more that, because I'm like, if it's just more of a game that most people love, is that really, truly a bad thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I am, uh, super anti like this this idea of like oh this this game i mean it's a big i guess a big thing with with triple a games that mm -hmm. um people say like oh it's like 60 dollar dlc like yeah. ragnarok is just god of war dlc or um tears of the kingdom is just breath of wild dlc and i'm just i mean it, first of all it's just not true but even if it was true if there was a world where you're like we're selling a dlc expansion for 60 dollars and it's just like 70 hours of content i'd be like that's fine <laughs> that's <laughs> that seems like a totally reasonable price i think um so yeah i mean i i i don't get that um but i mean from what we've seen of hollow knight it looks like they, they are definitely putting effort into to sort of have um a unique experience within that same world and everything i've seen looks great i expect the game to be really good um maybe i'm i you know we all know what can happen when you set your, your expectations too high. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I own No Man's Sky, but <laughs> um, I I have faith in, in in Team Cherry to release a really really great product. And then from that, I'm a huge Hades fan as well. When I saw the Hades two trailer, oh, I lost my mind. Um, it looks incredible. So that's that's another no-brainer i i want to play that game so bad <laughs> I, i'm right there with you i hades with the hades 2 with a bullet point is my day one i might take off i might take the week off from work just play hades 2. <laughs> yeah. like yeah that, that's how much that game means to me man i i'm right there with you so i i gotta ask you um you know i got three last questions before we go from this episode and the first of the three is are you ready? Because it is time for our pro nerd trivia portion of the show where we asked our esteemed guests five different cat five different questions based on five different categories. Now I don't have any I don't have any say so what what questions pop up. It's randomized. So everyone bear with me and help him along this journey give him all your well wishes throughout this endeavor because it is the hardest thing he's ever gonna have to experience. This is pro nerd trivia. Are you ready, Stefan? Oh, let's go. All right, here we go. Our first question is in the realm of Pokemon. Pokemon. All right, so Pokemon Gen 1 specifically. Are you familiar with Gen 1, by the way? Absolutely. Okay, all right, this is this is good. What Pokemon does Nidorain evolve into? Just, just Nidoran? just Nidoran yeah what um gender Nidoran oh I like that I like it that could no. be a little Nidorino or Nidorina yep and it will I like that that it, the question specifically goes with the male variant okay that would be a Nidorino all right he got it he absolutely got it I love the fact that you already knew to specify. I love that I, I I'm 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 a real one for for Pokemon <laughs> I'm there <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. All right. So 
Our second question is in a galaxy far, far away because it is Star Wars. Are you familiar with Star Wars, good sir? I've, I've frequented a Star Wars from time to time. Okay, all right, all right. So, what was the name of Anakin Skywalker's Padawan? Uh, Ahsoka Tano. He got two for two, ladies and gentlemen. He is on a roll like Codnail. Shout Wait. out to um, Rosario Dawson for her upcoming Disney Plus show. How excited are you? I'm pretty excited. I am too, man. Yeah. I am really. I really too. liked the. I really liked her in the Mandalorian. So I loved, love that cameo. Um, I look, you know, like for the most part, I'm liking what they're doing with the Star Wars shows. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think Boba Fett was hit or miss for me, but I do, I do I like loved Andor. I oh, phenomenal! Andor. Oh phenomenal. my god, it's so good. Like my, you know, Andor reminds me of my favorite Star Wars movie now, and that's Rogue One. And mm-hmm. like, I love Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love I love a, a Star Wars movie or show told like it's an actual war. It's a, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. All right, so our next question is the category of the Cape Crusader. That is Batman himself. All right, okay. okay so we're we're confident in that one. All right, here we go. Who is the second Robin? Who uh, later? Oh, oh okay. go ahead. No, no. Go, no well, I, I don't want to get it wrong. What's, what's the whole <laughs> question? What's the whole question? All right. So, who is the second Robin, also known as what name? Uh, Jason Todd. That is correct, sir. That is correct. All right. So, you got the second Robin. For for just funs and giggles, can you give me the third as well? Uh, Tim Drake. That is absolutely correct as well. And All then right. there's 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 a, a it's it a gets girl, fuzzy. Stephanie Brown mm-hmm. is in there somewhere, and then there's a Damian Wayne somewhere in there. Kelly? Is that the Oh yeah, from the Dark Knight mm-hmm. Returns? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay, so you know your Batman. No <laughs> bonus points for those. Just, yeah, just for flexing. Sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So the next category is in oof. In more the land of lord of the rings Uh-oh. middle earth Uh-oh. this one is our second lowest second lowest category that people struggle on so like it's gonna be a tough one yeah this is a, it's always a tough one here we go all right who is responsible for healing mary of the black breath oh boy how familiar oh, are you boy. with these movies and, and lore and all that? Well, the answer is not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am, am not very knowledgeable about Lord of the Rings. Ironically, I guess just a side note, I'm not stalling for time, but it's no, go ahead. Re- relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, I I work, uh, my day job is working for a, a trading card store. Wow. Um, and so we specialize in like Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. And Magic the Gathering's newest set is Lord of the Rings. So I've actually seen more Lord of the Rings stuff than I've ever interacted with in my life in like the past two months. Um, but that doesn't help me know what the characters are. No, not at all. Did you watch any of the movies? You know, in a in a time long ago. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been quite some time. Um, and I've not revisited them. I mean, I... Thinking is not going to get me any closer. Okay. So I want to just say Pippin. 
All right. So the it's gonna be my the... answer. All right. Who is responsible for healing Mary of the Black Breath? Your answer is Pippin. That is incorrect, sir. It is Aragon. 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 All right. So you have gotten three right and one wrong. Now let's, for our fifth and final question, we like to give you a choice between category A or category B. Which one would you like to choose between? Um, let's, let's go with, uh, A. A? Okay. Your category is in Nintendo. Okay. Nintendo. Okay. All right. So, all right, here we go. This one might be a little bit tricky. We'll see Uh if you can get it correct here. All right. What is the first game with Princess Zelda as a playable character? What is the first game with Princess Zelda as a playable character? Um, hmm. A game I've never played before. My my guess is that it's a Zelda CDI game. I'm thinking, I don't remember the exact names of these though. I, I, my guess is a Legend of Zelda. I don't even know if they start with the Legend of Zelda. Wand of Gamelon? Wand of Gamelon is correct, good sir. Okay. Wand. All right. Got... <laughs> All right. I didn't even know that was a game, if I'm yeah. being honest. Ruined by Lord of the Rings. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to see the road not taken and see what the sure. other path was? Sure. All right. The, your other path was in the realm of Xbox. It was Xbox trivia. And Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Xbox trivia. And the question... Oof. Okay. The question is, can besides Marcus Phoenix, can you name a mother main character from the Gears of War franchise? Um Am I allowed to just say Carmine? Carmine? I think Carmine. Is- <laughs> can I just say I- Carmine? We got Cold Train, we got Carmine, yeah. we got a uh, Dawn. All those would have been correct. Yeah. Okay. okay. All those would have been correct. Carmine was the one who died at the very beginning, wasn't he? Yeah. I think there have been like three Carmines and like, yeah, they all, like <laughs> yeah. they all just die. They're like the Cartman of this series. That's, that's why they? I'm like, you know, I think I can yeah. hedge my bets and just say Carmine. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. All right. So you've gotten, um, you got four correct. You got one wrong. Unfortunately, not in the Pro Nor Hall of Fame, but still really good showing. How do you feel about your show? Your I feel, I feel pretty okay. I think there's, there's almost a poetic irony to get the Lord of the Rings question wrong when I've been getting paid to deal with Lord <laughs> of the Rings for the past two months. Um, but you know, what, what can I say? I've never watched any of the six movies, seven movies. So yeah. Historically speaking, that's our second ha- ha- like hardest category behind Star Trek. Yeah, like Star Trek one. is. Oh, yeah, I would st- not have gotten Star, <laughs> Star Trek. Trek is, <laughs> Star Trek is the one that mows everyone down if they randomly get that one. That that one's yeah. the the beast, so to speak. Yeah, but I believe that. All right. So our second to last question. Um, I told you we had three remaining, and that is where can the good people find you, sir? Um, I am on Twitter at Stephen Galaxy ninety three. I have uh, my TikTok, which is Indie Nova Official, and I occasionally stream on Twitch uh, at Stephen Galaxy. 
All right, everyone, go check him out. The links to all those will be in the the description of this episode. Definitely go give him a follow. Check him out. Support this man because he knows his stuff. Stefan, it has been a pleasure to be on this podcast with you, to have you on this this show. I really enjoyed our conversation here. Before we go, my last final question is, if you had one video game recommendation that where you can give out to the audience where you were like, man, if you don't do anything else but to play this game, what would that game be? I would say go play The Outer Wilds. Oh. It's a space exploration game. I genuinely think it is one of the best video game experiences that a single person can have. Uh, And if it's not for you, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone go check the Outer Wilds out. I thought you were going to say the Outer Worlds for a second. You know, know, I had to catch myself through through the processor on. I was like, don't get this one wrong. (laughs) All right. So, Stefan, thank you so much for being on the show. Everyone. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. If you're listening on all the all the podcast services around the globe, if you're watching on YouTube.com, thank you so much. Um, thank you for all the support. Go support my boy Stefan right here. He's absolutely killing it. In the meanwhile, I've been Sebastian. That's been Stefan. This has been the Single Player Experience Podcast, and we're out. Peace, everyone. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Stefan for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!